Okay, so hello and welcome to the Midlife Crisis Man. Today we have uh, with me uh, Andy Storch, who's a, a consultant, coach, and a podcast host. Hi, Andy, and how are you doing? I'm doing great, Joel. It's good to be here, man. How are you? I'm awesome. Awesome. So it's been nearly a year since we last spoke, probably. Yeah, it's been a while. We met uh, about a year and a half ago. We were in a mastermind group together, and um, that ended April 2017. And um, yeah, it's been about a year since we've really spoken since then. So it's, I'm glad we got a chance to reconnect. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, knowing you as a man of action who, uh, during our mastermind course, also suddenly decided that you wanted to do a podcast. And within a week, <laughs> there it was. Uh, I don't know if it happened that quickly, but... <laughs> Um, you know, speaking of, you mentioned action and, uh, the mastermind group was, was huge for me, uh, because, uh, one of the benefits of being in a mastermind group is that it provides that extra level of accountability. And, uh, I remember that our host and facilitator, Larry Hagner kind of challenged all of us and said, Hey, we need to set 90 day goals. And so I said, Hey, you know, I've been listening to podcasts for probably going on 10 years now. I've always enjoyed them. And I've thought about starting my own, but I never really put much effort into it. I'm going to put that down as my goal. I'm going to start a podcast by May 1st. And so once I had put that goal down and I knew that you and the other guys in the group were watching me to see, you know, is he actually going to do it? Um, and we were checking in on a weekly basis. So yeah, I started taking action. I started recording interviews. Um, I think I, I was, I was so afraid of failing. Uh, and uh, I had heard that in, when you start a podcast, a lot of people, fade out after three or four episodes because they just don't have enough content. So I recorded about 20 interviews uh, before I launched on May 1st. So you and, smashed uh, it. Yeah, so I did. I launched it and uh, it's nearly a year later and I'm still going strong. I've recorded over 90 interviews uh, for my podcast, The Entrepreneur Hot Seat, and um, it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've had so many great conversations and I'm just, I'm so grateful that we were in that mastermind group together and that I had that challenge to go out and start that podcast. Absolutely. It was a, it was a big uh, defining moment for me too with uh, realizing what I was doing with my life and trying to understand. Because well, at that time, I probably had a victim mindset going on. Um, and that, 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 that uh, mastermind really brought home, especially talking to other people uh, about how I, how I was carrying myself within the world, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And that was a big shift, right? Like what was what was the shift? Like, what did that look like? That going from that victim mindset to what you have now? Um, it's completely different now. Uh, yeah, no, it's, there's no there's no blaming other people. There's no feeling lost. Uh, you know, um, there's the frustration is the frustration has changed. As in, it's now a frustration to learn things quickly to implement and act on which is a better frustration to have other than being frustrated at other people whose, whose fault it's not, if you know what I mean. It's not, it's not their fault that I'm not achieving. It's my fault. Right. Yeah. It's 100% yeah, your responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that was a big shift for me. And uh, my wife saw a, a massive improvement in, in the way I was, me as a person and as a father and as a husband. So, I definitely uh, go along with what you said with the masterminds. The saying you're currently running a mastermind too? 
Uh, yeah, so since then, I, I launched a, another mastermind within that same group. I, I ran a mastermind for some guys and I'm in another mastermind now. Uh, so I'm, I'm very passionate about this concept of masterminds, investing in uh, surrounding yourself with people who are doing great things, who can um, you know, raise you up and support you and, and, and uh, push you to do great things. And so I, I love that concept still. And I'm glad that we went through that and that you made that shift. And I got my podcast going and I mean, there were plenty of other changes I made as well as a result of that mastermind. It was a great experience. Yeah. So you've, uh, can you tell me something that um, you're currently in your life that you are very passionate about? Something that I'm currently passionate about. Uh, there's a lot of things. Um, the, the, probably the, the two most exciting uh, are uh, I, so you know, as we went on that journey together in that mastermind in 2017, um, one of the things that I was frustrated with was that I was, um, I was kind of unhappy in my job and I knew I wanted to do something different. Um, I wanted to get into coaching. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to have my own business. Um, I had learned that I'm really passionate about these things. I didn't quite know what to do. And that's one of the reasons why I joined the mastermind to begin with. And um, so I started finding some answers there and then things started working out throughout the year as I kept talking to people and learning and, and doing self-discovery. And so last October, I actually left my job finally uh, within that year and um, went into business for myself. I joined a business partner in his business and I'm now independent and building a business how I want to build it. And I could not be happier or more excited and more passionate about it. It's been about six months in and uh, I'm just, I'm so pumped about my daily life and about my work and what I'm doing and where things are going. And so I'm really passionate about building this business and it's not just about building a business and enjoying work. It's that it connects to a greater goal that I have, which is achieving financial freedom, um, being able to build a platform for which I can show here's how I've been successful and start to teach and inspire other people to do be able to do the same thing. And the other thing that I'm really excited about that also connects to this is that my wife and I are really aligned on this. We talk about this stuff all the time. My wife's building a business as well. And awesome. we've, we've gotten really aligned on kind of this vision of where we're going um, more than we ever have been before. We've been married for 14 years. We've had plenty of ups and downs. Um, you know, I don't know who's listening from your audience, but if you're talking about a lot of men in their 30s, 40s, 50s who are married for a long time, uh, I'm with you. You know, there have been plenty of ups and downs. There have been hard times. Um, but I'm really happy to say that I'm passionate about her and our marriage right now and where we're going. And it's because we communicate and we are aligned on this vision um, of where we want to get to, which is to be um, financially independent, running businesses on our own terms and traveling with our families and enjoying life and helping others. And uh, I think we have a, an opportunity to do that. And so I'm just, I'm really excited about everything going on with those things right now. And then, you know, in general, I'm passionate about my family. I love my wife. I've got two kids. I love my kids. And I'm um, just excited to see where, where things take us in the future. It's uh you certainly got a lot going on. And I know that uh, how, how for myself personally, with my wife, getting my wife on board with my finances and getting things in place to get rid of the debt, get rid of the mortgage is probably the biggest, not stumbling block, but the biggest, um, obstacle that was that was in our way. I, I used to manage the finances and, until one day I just give up and I said, right, okay, I'm not doing it no more. You're gonna have to manage the money. 
and then she had a realization <laughs> of why I was so frustrated. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and uh, and that was where my wife's ship came in, and and then we since then we've been aligned with, uh, as you say, we're, we're we're active in the similar groups online. Yep. I see, and I know you're making massive inroads to your goals, especially since you were uh, so sold your car. Yeah, I mean, we were in a similar boat, right? I had um, plenty of debt. Uh, my wife and I both have master's degrees from a private university that charged a lot of money. You know, we're in the United States where you can go get a great education and pay a lot of money for it, right? And um, <clears throat> we were paying that off for a long time, but about a year ago, we started to get more serious about it. And, and part of that was because uh, I read a great book called Freelance to Freedom by a guy named Vincent Puglese, and we're both active in his Facebook group online, um, Freelance to Freedom Tribe. Awesome book. Uh, yeah, great book. And it's and I became I built a strong relationship with him. Um, he's become a mentor of mine and that got me more excited about, you know, paying off our debt and moving towards this idea of financial freedom. <clears throat> but you know, you, you mentioned making a shift when you got aligned with your wife on this. I had the same thing. We were not in the same place. And so we started to have conversations about it. And when those started, they were arguments. You know, they were not, they were not harmonious conversations about, oh, let's, you know, get, we're all in line. Let's go to where we're going. No, it was arguments about how we're going to spend our money, what our goals are, um, you know, but we worked those things out. And what I've noticed, uh, and that's why I feel so good about where, we think, where things are now, because I think we're more aligned than we ever have been, because we work through that stuff. And what I've noticed uh, with working with men, especially over the last year or so, is that a lot of times... One person in the relationship uh, manages the finances, comes to this realization that we need to make this change, right? And gets all excited about it. And then goes to the other person, you know, go, I, I just had this, I, I, I was coaching this, this uh, great guy yesterday who had this exact same situation. He, he had this realization and went, oh crap, I got to get out of debt. I just read this book. These other people tell me, I went to his wife and was like, honey, we got to get out of debt. We got to cut all our expenses. We got to put this money over here. We got to drive a crappy car. And his wife was excited about buying a new car. Like, Wait a minute. I wanted a new car. And of course it turned into a huge argument. Of course it did. Right. And, and I've been there. And the reason for that is complete mismatched, mismatched expectations. Right. One person was expecting to have to spend the money on this great life that included a nice car. The other person has now changed where they want to go. And they're not aligned on that. And I told him, like, it's going to be a rough road, but it's so important to get aligned with your wife. This is the, this is your partner in life. You know, it's like having a business partner and running a business. If you're not aligned on where you want to go and that vision for the future, then it's going to be a rough road to get there. And there's going to be some problems, I think. And so that's been really important for us. It sounds like it's been important for you. Yeah. And I know it's, it has been for a lot of men who are going through this. I mean, if you talk to Vincent who wrote that book, he writes about it in the book that he got excited about it way before his wife yeah. and he needed her to read the, read the Dave Ramsey book, total money makeover and finally get on board. And once they were in it together, that's when they really started like, you know, tackling their debt and, and um, building their financial future, but they had to do it together. So for, the, for those people that, that are listening out there, um, you mentioned that there's going to be problems if they if they're not aligned, but uh, I say that the the way that I now phrase it to my wife is they're not problems they're they're opportunities. Mm. Do they, do you see or do you tend to see things as uh, opportunities when problems come up? 
I do now. Yeah. I didn't always have that mindset, but uh, I was just messaging with someone about that a few minutes ago that it's, it's a big mindset shift. If you can start seeing problems or failures as challenges or even as opportunities, like you said, Joel, uh, for those business minded people out there, if you think about doing a SWOT analysis of a base of of a business, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, um, you know, that, uh, that those challenges those threats are what turn into opportunities, right? So you find these challenges and that's where you can turn something into an opportunity. So yeah, an opportunity or, or a challenge or a problem you might have in your marriage is definitely an opportunity to fix things. But if you don't, then they're just problems. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So touching on your passion points from just now, I just wanted to follow through with another question. Could you tell us how you arrived at your passion point? Yeah, it's, it's been a long journey. Um, and I think things really started about two years ago, uh, a little more than that, uh, when I discovered a book called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And some of your listeners may be familiar with that, uh, which is all about um, getting up earlier and developing a morning routine and really investing time in yourself, uh, meditating, reading, writing. And uh, that was the first personal growth book I had ever read. I heard him on a podcast and read that book. And it just really changed my life and my approach. Um, I read that right before my son was born, my second child, excuse me. And I developed this new morning routine and I just plowed right through. I kept going. Even after my son was born, um, I was meditating and exercising in the hospital, you know, Um, I was just so devoted to it. So excited about it. Right. And, um, it, it paid off. I ended up you know, reading a lot more books, uh, connecting with more people. I ended up going to his conference in San Diego at the end of 2016, uh, where I met some great people, uh, one of whom encouraged me to join the, that dad's edge community where we met. I joined my first mastermind. Um, and I really started, uh, I was listening to a lot of different podcasts on entrepreneurship and personal growth, other things, and started to realize that I really wanted something more that I had always been passionate about or, yeah. or interested in entrepreneurship. Um, I had had startups in the past that failed and then I've been basically in the working world for the about 15 years in between as an employee. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you could do great things and develop a great career. And I had, I learned a lot uh, for the last seven years working as a consultant for a really cool uh, Swedish consulting company called BTS, uh, which is still a great company, but I just decided I wanted something more. I wanted to do things on my own. I didn't see where things were going in my career. And I decided I needed to take some kind of action on that. I didn't know what it would be but I was starting to build the foundation, right? By talking to people, um, I, I discovered that I liked coaching and helping other people. So I went and paid money to get certified as a coach. Uh, and that led to me starting to work with some clients and really developing my skills there. And I thought maybe I wanted to become a full-time coach, but I wasn't sure if that was you know, promising enough. I know there's a lot of people that try to do that and, and aren't very successful because uh, it's a challenging field. Uh, and then an opportunity came along as they often do, right? When you're just out there having conversations and some can call it luck and some say luck is, you know, kind of the intersection of like hard work and, and putting your and timing and putting yourself in the right situations. And I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was looking to expand his business and looking for a new business partner. And he, he knew I was perfect for it and it sounded like a good opportunity for me. So he recruited me over. It took a few months to negotiate everything. Um, but, and, and in the meantime, I was still doing my job, but I was definitely checked out of it. Right. And, and many yeah. of your listeners may know that feeling where you're doing your job, but you're kind of checked out. 
And I was even trying to build this business on the side and people started to notice and like, okay, what's going on here? And I knew like, okay, I need to make a move. And so this opportunity came along and I jumped on it. And um, my friend, my business partner, Bennett has been a great mentor to me as I've been coming into the business. I've helped him in many different ways. It's been a great partnership. And uh, like I said, it's been exciting because this is what I wanted. And luckily, you know, sometimes you go after something you think you want. It's not what you actually wanted, but this is what I wanted. This is it. I mean, this is the opportunity to build my own business, um, the possibility to make more money, a higher risk, a higher reward. Um, but it's the product of a lot of hard work over the last two years of, of really like developing myself, talking to others, learning, growing, discovering, and it's not done. It's still the beginning of the next phase of my journey. Right. So now I have to build this business, but that's the exciting thing. I love doing that. And, um, you know, Tony Robbins talks about, uh, the, all fulfillment comes from challenge, right. And growth. And if you're not growing, you're dying. And so this gives me a new challenge, something to, to, to tackle, and so I'm really excited about that. That's cool, man. So you, you touched on that uh, Hal, Elrod, Hal Elrod book there, The Miracle Morning. Yeah. I see that you set yourself a target. I was looking at your website the other day, uh, your day, your blog. You say that you set yourself, uh, how many books to read per year? Uh, yeah, so I set some goals back at the, I like to set annual goals at the beginning of the year and then break those down to quarterly and monthly goals. And uh, last year I read... 30 books. And I think I set a goal to, to read the same amount this year. And I'm, I'm definitely on pace to, to read either that or more than that this year. And, you know, a note on that for listeners who are thinking, well, I like to read books, but I, I, that sounds like a lot of books to read. The average um, educated, I'll just say American, I don't know about other countries. I know you're over in Wales, um, typically reads about one to two books a year, I think. And there's a reason for that. You, you just don't think you have time. Right. And I was that person before I discovered the miracle morning because I loved books and I liked this idea of reading. So every night when I went to bed, I would open a book and say, okay, I'm going to read a little bit before I go to sleep. And I would read one page, maybe a second page, and then I would fall asleep. And guess how long it took me to read a book? About six months to a year. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's why. Right. And then after I discovered the miracle morning and I was like, oh, if I dedicate 20 minutes a morning to reading, I'll read a lot more books. And that's exactly what happened. I started reading every morning for 15 to 20 minutes before the rest of my family got up, you know, quiet time with a cup of coffee. And lo and behold, you know, I read like 25 books in 2016. I read 30 books last year. I'm on pace to read the same amount this year. And there's arguments to be made for and against reading a lot of books versus, you know, maybe just digging into two or three books and really focusing on implementation. I think that's personal preference. Uh, yeah. I like to expose myself to a lot of different knowledge and pull like two, three lessons out of each one and go try to implement them. But the point is I'm getting a lot more knowledge. It's all contributed to my growth and my journey. And it's yeah. because I've dedicated myself to that morning routine and that consistency um, and uh, of reading every morning. Because if I was just relying on reading it at night or on weekends, by the way, let's face it. Do you remember before you had kids? You could read on the weekends. Like that was cool. You could go relax at the park or a beach or, you know, a rainy Saturday and just sit on the couch and read a book for two hours. That was great. But after you have kids, does that ever happen? No, that doesn't happen. Right. So I don't get to read on weekends. So it has to be in that morning time. You know, my kids are young. I have some friends who have teenagers who now take care of themselves. And I think they get to read a little bit on weekends, but my kids are too young for that. We're always doing stuff on the weekends. So 
Um, I, it has to be that early morning. That's the only time to get it done for me. Are you, are you strict with your family times on the weekend? Is, is that, you know, weekends is family time? End of, you know, no discussion? Yeah, yeah pretty much. I, I have a, a definitely a philosophy on that. I think that, first of all, everybody has the same amount of time. And you get to spend your time and prioritize your time however you want. And, you know, I am building a new business. So I don't think anybody would blame me if I said, oh, I need to work 60, 70 hours a week, including on the weekends. Um, But I'm also very dedicated to my family. I'm very committed to being a great father. I want to be a great husband, too. I think there's a lot of work for me to do there. But um, I want to spend time with my kids on the weekends. And so, yeah, I rarely work on the weekends. Usually... I might work one or two hours, sometimes an early morning on a Saturday morning or something like that. But for the most part, uh, I'm almost always uh, spending time with family and not working much on weekends. Brilliant stuff. So, yeah, going back to what you were saying about the reading, I I tend to uh, read in transition. So on a walk to work, I got audible. Mm. I I struggle to read in the evenings because I'm tired and I struggle to maintain concentration. Yeah. And in the mornings, it's just... If I if I wake on time because I haven't read that book, even though my wife has, um, I, I struggle to get up. But it's usually a mad dash to get some you know, half hour of business work in, and then and then move on to like getting ready for work and and leaving early enough to walk in because uh, I sold my car. So <laughs> so okay. Wow. So on, on to the next one then. So um, if you were to think back about your most epic fail. Can you tell us about the story that accompanies it? Yeah, I, I, I saw your survey. You were going to ask this question, and I was, <clears throat> I was struggling to think of something to answer this. And I don't know if it's because I don't think as much of things as failures, you know, as just kind of parts of the journey and challenges. Or sometimes I think I haven't really had any big epic failures. And if that's the case, that kind of makes me feel a little bit like a failure because it makes me feel like, ah, have I not taken enough chances, right? Because some people have these great stories of these big failures and what they learn from them. And I think there were plenty of failures along the way. Um, One I was just thinking about this morning, um, and you inspired me, Joel, with your survey because I posted a question on Facebook this morning asking people, like, what, what did they do that they considered to be a failure at the time but worked out to be, you know, sort of a blessing in disguise? I just picked that up. No, I was going to answer it, but I have to get ready for yourself. <laughs> no, okay. You got to do it after the podcast. Um, so the one I was thinking about, I actually went way back to 2004. So 14 years ago, uh, my wife and I had, we met in college in Florida and university. <clears throat> we moved out to California sort of on a whim with no money, no jobs, no prospects, no friends. We didn't know what we were doing, but we moved out to LA. That's good. man. Yeah, it was. <laughs> It was. I didn't know. At the time, I was just like, yeah, let's just do this. And <laughs> certainly, we were scared, and uh, we had some tough times. We, we took some temp jobs and stuff. But I was also – I had read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by oh, Robert Kiyosaki, yeah. right? A lot of people credit that with their, like, their, their move into entrepreneurship or wanting to get into it. It's and like an so awakening. I, right, exactly. It was an awakening because my parents were both teachers. You know, I grew up in a you know, sort of a middle-class household where – you, you work, everybody worked for the government and, um, you know, there, there were no entrepreneurship in my family. So it was a revelation. And I decided that I wanted to be an entrepreneur of some type. I had no idea what to do. And I ended up, after we got to LA and we had a couple of temp jobs, I, I went to work for one guy who had a startup company, 
who was selling billiard tables, you know, pool tables online. And he was just a terrible business person. Like there were like shoddy products that he was sending out. And then, you know, people were always like complaining and sending them back and he would just fight them on it. It was, it was, it was awful. Um, <laughs> but, but I met a friend there um, named Blake and we ended up starting a business together. And um, cool. that I thought might turn into something, but we ended up having some, uh, what do they call it? When, when bands break up creative differences um, and we yeah. decided to go separate ways. And it wasn't really making that much money anyway, so that kind of failed. And I went to work for another startup that I thought seemed very promising. Um, and that guy who was running that turned out to be kind of a jerk and didn't treat me very well. And they ended up having to leave that. And so I had this series of startups, either I started or I joined, because I really wanted to be an entrepreneur badly. And they all failed, right? They, they didn't work out for one way, one reason or another. And I ended up having to take a job. I, my wife was in grad school we had no money and I was like, okay, I need to finally take like a real job with a salary. And so a friend of mine got me a job at an insurance company and it was a really boring analyst job, nothing that I enjoyed at all. Uh, but it was really easy. And I think I, I probably felt a little bit like a failure because I had given up on this dream of entrepreneurship and I had now taken this salary job at a company that I didn't, I wasn't that excited about. But it laid the foundation for the rest of my entire journey because that job um, allowed me, had some benefits that allowed me to go back to school and I got my MBA and I made a ton of great friends, including one who ended up getting me uh, the next job at another insurance company. And then I met another person who got me uh, my next job, which was in consulting, which led to where I am now. And I wouldn't have been in any of these places if it wasn't for taking that first job that my friend Nick got me at this small insurance company um, because I had given up on the entrepreneur dream. And uh, by the way, over those years while I was working, I had other side businesses. I always had something going on on the side. I had this ticket business for many years as a partner. I started this website with the, with the same partner <clears throat> and nothing ever like turned into anything great. So I don't know if I'd call any of them failures so much as like, you know, they just didn't really work out. But I'm really excited that now I've gotten back to those roots and I am out there doing stuff on my own again. And, uh, you know, like I said before, I think it's just, I think it's all part of the journey. Like people talk about, for a while I heard people talking about, well, there's not really failures. There's just, you know, experiences that you learn from yeah. um, or no mistakes. They're just things that didn't work out the way you planned and they're, you just shift and, and you, you also hear um, people talk about how, you shouldn't have any regrets. And I think I used to have a lot of regrets. And now I've realized that every decision I made, everything I did over the course of my life led me to this point, this yeah. day right here where I'm talking to you, Joel. And <laughs> I am so happy and excited about my life right now that I just can't fathom changing anything in the past. You know, yeah, like no. if you have a regret, that means you want to change something in the past. And I don't want to change anything because I love my life right now. And I want everybody else to feel that way, by Gosh. the way. So, yeah. I totally resonate with what you're saying there because, uh, yeah, you look back on your life and you think, oh, my God, I've done this and I did that. Yeah. And then when you think, well, actually, no, I'm the person I am now because of those. That's right. I, when, you can, when you can accept your past mistakes, it uh, allows you to move on and, and look back differently on your life and understand that you are where you are for a reason. Yeah, you know? exactly. So uh, I mean, you look at someone like Vincent, who we were just talking about in that book that we read, uh, Freelance to Freedom, it's a series of things he, he mistakes and failures and all the lessons he learned from those things. And all, all led to him being able to write a book 
to help coach other people, to help other people with their businesses, to inspire other people. And it all came from those, you know, those decisions, some of which didn't work out. And in the end, they were all part of the journey and ended up being valuable to him and to others. Yeah, absolutely. So you just mentioned it then about what uh, Vincent learned, but I mean, from yourself, consistency and grit, it sounds like is uh, one of your major lessons or learnings. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd ever characterize grit as something that's been beneficial to me. I mean, certainly I'm always trying stuff, but I think here's what I would say early on. I tried to do stuff, but I had no idea what I was doing and I probably did not invest enough in investigating those things and maybe even being willing to invest money in learning stuff. Mm. Um, And what, and I probably didn't try enough stuff. I didn't take enough risks because I was, I was scared, I think. And now I look back and think like, well, I wish I would have, if I could tell myself, you know, I think one of your questions that you had in your, your pre-interview survey was like, what would you tell yourself a few years ago? What advice would you give yourself? And I think looking back, I would certainly, I know that since I really started investing in personal growth, since I discovered the miracle morning and started joining masterminds and surrounding myself by great people and reading more books, my life has gotten exponentially better every year, month, and day. And so if I could go back in time and give myself advice, it would be to do that sooner. Yeah. Um, but again, I think you got to be careful, right? Because it's like everything is part of the journey to get me to where I am now. It's like one of those things, like if you start thinking about time travel, it can like, you can, your yes, brain might explode because if you go back and try to change one thing, it would change everything else in the world, like the butterfly effect. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a big turning point for me when I actually decided to invest money in that mastermind. It was at the time, it was a considerable amount for me. Um, yeah, same. So uh, it, it was a, it was a real big decision but my wife's well no you want to do it so do it and I'm so glad I did because obviously I wouldn't be here now talking to you we wouldn't have connected right I wouldn't have been on the path I'm on you certainly wouldn't have been on the path you're on uh I mean right. from what I can see from uh from your LinkedIn and everything you're doing online you're, you're a busy bloke um uh, yeah you know this your, your company you're, you're super active on Facebook I just yep. really, I don't know where you find the time, Andy, but I guess you're just incredibly organized individual. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think a lot of people think that about me and I have actually, that's another thing that I've studied um, time management and productivity tools and I've done things to, to organize my time. And yet, I mean, I, I've been reflecting about how I've gotten away from some of those things and I feel like I've been disorganized lately. Um, and so that's an area that I think I have for improvement right now is getting better at that again, because I do have so many things going on, so many things I want to do, and I need to get those done. Um, but, you know, something you mentioned, I, I feel like it's worth touching on as well related to all this is that social media can be a little bit deceiving, right? And I, I've heard some great advice over the years that I've kept in mind that I like to pass on to others, which is that you shouldn't compare your whole life to someone else's highlight reel. And you see someone doing a lot of great things on Facebook, right? And so you think, oh, their life is so much better than ours. But you really have no idea what's, hey, you have no idea what's going on, right? They might be like fighting with their wife every moment that they're not posting about their great outings at the beach on Facebook. <clears throat> and the other thing is that I think with social media, time has a, 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 a way of like, uh, fast forwarding in between those things. And so you don't think about the other things they're doing. 
Um, and the example I give, I don't know if other people resonate with this, but I joke with, with my wife about this. Like you'll see someone post a, a female friend will post or a couple, you know, will post that they're pregnant on Facebook. And then like seemingly days later, they'll be having the baby. And you're like, how did that pregnancy, you know, when we had our kid, the pregnancy lasted forever. It was over nine months. Like it was like an eternity, but I swear they just announced the other day they were going to have a baby and now boom, the baby is here. How did that happen? It's because time is like, it doesn't exist in this other vortex where you're watching people on social media in between posts. You don't think about their life. And then you only see them when it does. And you're like, wow, they just announced having a baby and now they're having a baby, but they didn't post much in between. So you weren't thinking about them. Um, it's the same thing. Like I travel quite a bit for my business. Typically it's like one or two times a month and I'll post about it. And so people, it's kind of part of my persona now, but people will be like, man, you travel all the time. I don't know how you're ever home. And I'm like, I've been home this entire month. It's just that <laughs> you only see my post when I'm traveling. So you think that I'm traveling all the time, but it's not really true. It's just that you see that and that's what you associate with. And that's fine. I've put that out there as part of my persona. I want it to be part of it. But you've got to remember that you're just not seeing the whole story when you're, you know, when you're seeing this stuff online. So I think you gotta be careful with that, but that's okay because now part of my going, going back to my persona, I guess, is a lot of people think like, wow, this guy gets a lot of stuff done. And that's awesome because that puts more pressure on me to get a lot of stuff done and therefore I'm going to achieve more. And then I'm going to go out and coach and help other people do the same thing. That's my plan. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, no, he's uh, yeah. Like uh, I remember that I've seen a couple of photos on there that you've, flying around and meeting up with people from the mastermind as well so yeah that's right i went to paris last year i met gene uh and now he's in ottawa so i gotta find a way to get up there and i still haven't found any excuse to get to wales but i will meet you one day Joel. <laughs> i think i'll probably come your way first for maybe 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 a meetup or something yeah quite might be <laughs> okay um thinking back to where you were when this journey began what do you believe has got you this far well, I've touched on it a little bit before. I think that the two biggest pieces are one, uh, we'll call it three things. One, investment in personal growth and, and self-discovery. And that means books, it means masterminds, it means seminars, it means podcasts, it means whatever it means to you, whatever you can afford to do, um, investing in those things and, and learning. Um, and along with that is I consider myself I kind of have a mantra. I've got this sticker on my laptop that says stay hungry and I nice. want to stay hungry and open-minded for knowledge all the time. So I can keep learning and keep getting better all the time. And there, you know, that relates to the personal growth. Um, the second thing is I think surrounding yourself with great people who are doing great things. Um, so I mentioned Tony Robbins earlier. He has another saying that people rise to the level of the peer group around them. Um, yeah. You've probably heard the Jim Rohn quote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And it's true. If you're hanging out with your, with your friends, your mates, as you'd call them from high school, and they're deadbeats that, you know, smoke weed and, and watch TV and don't do anything else, then guess what? You're probably going to be like that too. But if you're hanging out with people who are high achievers, who are starting podcasts and, and getting into coaching like Joel Ingram, uh, you know, chances are you're going to want to try to do those things too, right? And so they're going to raise you up. And so I think it's so important to surround yourself with people doing great things. And then the third piece uh, for married men out there like us is it's so important to be in alignment and communicate with your wife. And I just didn't, I knew that, but I spent many years trying to do things on my own. We were operating separately. I'm telling you, man. And it just, it, it didn't make for a happy marriage. And now 
we're communicating more. We could definitely get better. My marriage is not perfect. Um, but I think, you know, being on the same team, I feel like we're on the same team now and it just, it energizes me and it makes me more excited about things. And I know she's on my side and I'm on hers. And so I think that's important too. Absolutely. So with you just touched on then, um, like children and, and wives and managers should come with a guidebook, shouldn't they? Which I don't. Yeah, right. So, so you, you, you yourself will go in to, in to within your own head and within your own map to try and understand the way to deal with things. But obviously, mm-hmm. you can only go off your past beliefs and your past experiences. Mm-hmm. I think what, what, what opened things up for me was, was the, the, the love languages when we was on the course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was like, what, why aren't they teaching this in school? <laughs> Right. Why didn't I know this when I was 18, you know? Yeah. But think about that and connect that back to like what I was saying about the peer group. If you're, if you're friend, if you're meeting up with your mates or your friends every Friday night at the pub and you're talking about just complaining about your wives and how, you know, awful they are, or how they're, they don't do the things that you want them to do and you're just unhappy, then you're going to be unhappy. But we were in a group of men who were all like reading this book at the love language and trying to understand our wives better and, and communicate better with our wives. So that's raising all of us up. Now we've got this standard that, uh, Hey, we should be investing in trying to understand what our wives care about. And you and I both discovered our wives love languages I've discovered. And you know what, when we did that exercise, um, I, I did it with my wife and it led to a very difficult conversation where she gave me some feedback about how I was not, satisfying her in the marriage you know I was not living up to her ex or not doing the things she wanted me to do it was hard to hear but yeah. it was feedback I needed it was a conversation we needed to have and we've we've been able to improve since then you know I discovered that her love language is quality time and I was not spending enough time with her because yeah. I was doing all these other things you know you talk about being organized you know something's got to give right there's always trade-offs in how you spend your time and so I wasn't spending enough time with her and so that was a that was a revelation for me it was a great exercise for me yeah, especially like you say, doing it in, in a group of men who are willing to be open-minded because if you had brought your previous mindset, you wouldn't have been open to that criticism and you certainly wouldn't have taken it as constructively as you did. Right, yeah. I never would have had that conversation with her to begin with. You know, open yeah. myself up to that kind of feedback and, and um, you know, invest in trying to figure out what she cares about. Oof, that was probably a long time where I wouldn't have done that, which is unfortunate, yeah. but we did it now. And it's done. <laughs> yeah <laughs> things are looking up so talking about the future tell us what the future holds for Andy Storch and his family over the well in 10 years time man um you know of course there's no way to know what the future holds but I think what's got me excited is I'm living life intentionally and I have goals and I and I know where I want to go you know I don't know where things will end up I don't think a lot of people do that right really think about their dreams and their vision and their goals and where do they want to end up. Um, but I want to do that and I, and I want to help other people do that as well. Um, so think about, you know, where you want to go. For me, I have this dream of being financially free, traveling the world with my family. My wife and I did a lot of traveling before we had kids. We want to get back to doing that. We want to be able to do it with the freedom to um, work from anywhere, live anywhere, travel anywhere. And, um, you know, I want to be, I don't want to just not be working. I want to be running a business, um, but I want to do it on my own terms. And I want to do that in a way that sets me up to build a, a platform, if you will, to help other people do the same thing. Maybe men, maybe married couples, but probably like freelancers or entrepreneurs who want to live this life intentionally where they're 
paying attention to their health, they're spending time with their family, they're traveling, and they're also doing work that they love. And these seem like pie in the sky things that are hard to achieve, but they are, they are attainable. And we're going after that. My wife and I have had conversations about that. That's my long-term vision. Um, I want to be, uh, I've done some coaching. I want to do more of that. Uh, I love facilitating and speaking and I want to become a, you know, more sought after keynote speaker long-term, you know, cool. have, have people bringing me into conferences to talk about this type of thing, um, to host retreats and events to help people with this kind of stuff. Um, just thinking about that gets me excited. So that's where I want to be 10 years from now. Um, and of course, to be really present and have a great relationship with my wife and my two kids, because I think without that, nothing else would really matter. So that's like the centerpiece to all of it, you know, Absolutely. but that's, that's where I want to be. But who knows, who knows where things will go, right? A lot can change in 10 years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where well, do you I, want to be 10 years from now, Joel? You are, sorry? Where do you want to be 10 years from now? Well, Andy, I don't think our story's that far apart, actually, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see myself um, as a coach, as a speaker. I've got, I've started a book. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, there's a, a lean side of things that I'd like to get into, like uh, installing for companies, like quality mm-hmm. and lean. Um, but that's, that's further down the road. Um, and it's exciting times, like you said. You know, I'm still. I say, when I was in the in the mastermind with you, I uh, I was struggling with my relationship with my son, uh, which is which is improving. Um. So yeah, I want to try and bring us closer together because only the other day, actually, I realized I came in and I realized that we were just all going in different directions. Mm. Uh, it if I come in, it was almost like I could physically feel the distance between us. And that, and that was quite upsetting and, and not only upsetting, but it then made me act and implement something to try and, you know, bring us back together. So, yeah, uh, yeah family for me, man, it's all about family and, and trying to live a life of, of travel and adventure. And I want to give my kids experiences. That's not awesome. things. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Let's, <laughs> dude, let's keep going there. Let's keep supporting each other and inspiring each other and challenge each other. And we'll, we'll get there. We'll both get there in our own way. Absolutely, man. You know, I might see you in the, in one of those alliances or, or one of the groups I get in soon. My yeah. circumstances are changing, so it's just a matter of getting my ducks in a row. Absolutely, absolutely. So, would you like to tell my audience where they can find you and on what platforms? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm as you mentioned, I'm I'm pretty active on Facebook. You can find me on there. I'm really active on LinkedIn as well. Um, for those of you in the professional world, um, so look me up, Andy Storch, on LinkedIn. And uh, I have a personal website, andystorch.com, A-N-D-Y-S-T-O-R-C-H.com. Um, I've got some contact info on there, some info about my coaching. Um, but, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, I'm, I'm active there. And uh, you can always send me an email as well to andy, A-N-D-Y, at andystorch.com. Andy, thank you so much for your time today. You're it was welcome. a pleasure interviewing me. <laughs> yeah, this was awesome. This was really fun. Thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you for your time. Um, I hope you stay in touch. Absolutely. And if there's anything I can do for you or to help or pass anything your way, tap me up. Yeah, same. Definitely. Awesome job. Thank you very much. Cool. All right. Cheers, Andy. Bye.